Welcome to the third episode of the Youth Voters Podcast. My name is Sam Kaufman, and I am super duper excited about this week's episode. Um, I want to get right to it because um, I we don't have any time to spare. Um, we have on today Ryan Ballard. He is a councilman on the Delaware County Council in Delaware County, Indiana. And we're talking about COVID shutdowns. We're talking about the decision the mindset behind shutting down a county behind with the people that actually, you know, the local government officials that were focused on what it took to shut down, to keep people safe. Um, he provides some awesome, awesome, awesome insight and he's a great guy. So I'm just going to get right to it. This is Ryan Ballard. I do want to note that we have a little bit of audio struggles throughout this podcast, but it's mostly okay. Thanks so much for sticking with us. Again, this is Ryan Ballard. So thank you, Ryan, for coming on the podcast. Can you just give us a little bit of an introduction of who you are and what your position on the county council does? Uh, yeah, my name is Ryan Ballard. Uh, I am a paramedic, funeral director, podcaster. I'm with Underpod, and then I'm also a uh, county councilman here in Delaware County. Uh, I am uh, just a uh, district. Uh, district one um, is uh, the district I represent. I'm not an at-large candidate, of which represents the entire county. Now we make decisions when it comes to our fiscal house uh you know on behalf of the entire county but you know the uh, the actual county set up in districts it's different for commissioners they have different districts because there's only three of them uh you know there's seven of us and and you know you've got some at large and then you've got some district seats but um yeah from a county council council standpoint uh, i'm elected by a district uh, what um do you kind of want to want me to go into what it is the council does and kind of the roles and responsibilities there yeah, definitely. Tell us. And this is Indiana specific. Some of our listeners might not be from Indiana, but yeah, yeah, this is Delaware, us- Delaware County, Indiana. Man. So this is uh, this is our role. Now, I, I know it's different everywhere. I know, uh, you know, Texas has got some different ways of going about things, um, you know, when it comes to uh, using a, a medical examiner versus a coroner. Uh, you know, so I, I think every state is different within their actual local politics. Uh, like I said, this is Indiana. Uh, but yeah, we we handle all the, basically the fiscal aspect of the county. We don't do any ordinances from a standpoint of like, um, well, just any ordinances really at all. We just handle the, the finances. Uh, the commissioners are three executives within Delaware County. They write ordinances, uh, you know, as to businesses that are coming in, or, you know, you've got some some areas that have different ordinances that are specific to them. You know, you see, for instance, town councils, they have golf cart ordinances. They have different things, the ATV ordinances within the country. They have different things that apply to them differently, but uh, we don't do any of that. Uh, we handle the, uh, basically the budget, the transfer of money in and out, um, you know, with, uh, within departments and, and things like that. So uh, we do our, our budget session every year of which can, it can last up to four days, maybe 14 hour days. Uh, especially, you know, with budget shortfalls and kind of some of the issues we've been dealing with because the state of Indiana uh, was shut down. You know, we've, we've had some major issues we've had to deal with there. But yeah, we, we deal with the budget. 
and the finances. Um, you know, we are not the executives of the county. We just deal with, with the fiscal uh, responsibility of the county. Yeah, so keeping with this idea of, sh of the, the county shutdown, you know, the, the commissioners were, were, were shutting down the county, but then the council really had to look, okay, I mean, you know, if this is the direction we're going, um, we, we had to start talking about budgets and tax revenue. And you've said that Delaware County was one of the first places to shut down. Um, you know, so when it became clear that this wasn't going to be a 15, you know, at the beginning, the federal government was like, we're going to do 15 days to slow the spread, we'll be good. Um, well, that obviously did not happen. So, you know, when it was day 13, 14, 15, and it, we're like, we're not done with this, how did the mindset shift? Where did the council's mind go? And, you know, how is this going to affect our budget? How is this going to affect our county? First and foremost, I'll say this, conversations happening nightly within local government, especially at Del Delaware County, uh, trying to work through problems that arose from this entire shutdown. But I'll say this first and foremost, our commissioners, uh, you know, they were one of the first to really provide, I would say, provide that template for the state for our governor uh, when it comes to the actual shutdown itself. Um, I will say this, the commissioners, I, we supported them. They had council backing on that. They had support from us on that. Um, now, you know, the narrative switches so often when it comes to things like this because it gets politicized. Uh, but, you know, I was okay and I was down for flattening the curve. I was, two weeks was, uh, was something that was comfortable for me because in essence, that's one paycheck for everybody. You know, that's not, you know, that's not four or five months. Uh, that's right. one paycheck. Uh, when you start moving beyond that and inhibiting the ability of people to provide for their family, uh, you know, you're really running into to some issues. And we found that on the council standpoint, because when you shut down restaurants, when you shut down bars, when you shut down anything and everything, just the ability to even drive, um, you know, and, and, and really go anywhere, uh, you know, you shut down a, say a revenue stream, but a cash flow stream from tax uh, taxes or tax revenue, I guess. I hate using that term, but from tax mm -hmm. revenue, it supplies that overhead for the county, okay? Um, yeah. Paying your employees, paying for services that, that already that are already happening. When you shut down a state for four months, man, you got to remember that's a deficit forever. You can't get that back. And that's right. what we've dealt with here. Hence the reason we had to cut it in a significant amount of, out of a budget. But from the commissioner's standpoint, I'll say this, man, I was in EOC and I had the opportunity to work with these guys and they were getting phone calls about what businesses were and what essential. I mean, they were dealing with some, some heavy loads, man, no question about it. So right. I had to, the opportunity to be a part of that. But yeah, um, th the mindset shift for me was, you know, I own some small businesses within Delaware County and some other counties, you know, and if people... If people aren't making money, they're not going to have money to spend with me. That started to change my mindset. And that was real quick, too, when it starts to affect you personally, too. So right. I get it. And I was all for being being safe and whatever else. But I just I didn't feel like we could shut down society forever to save society. So. Right. Well, and so we're going through the shutdown. We're we're continuing. You know, we're, we're shutting down for an extended amount of time and in the fall, we started to have this conversation on budget relief, state, you know, the state giving counties relief, the federal government giving states relief, this whole conversation. And 
um, in the paper, you and and I know you're going to give me a little bit more context than what what when than the quote that I'm going to say. But you said that we've been working this past months, this past eight months, but they, meaning the state, haven't. What exactly lacked from the state throughout the pandemic, for from your perspective? Uh, complete communication. I'll say that. Um, you know, the paper really didn't give that justice. That meeting, you can find it on our. I think it was Delaware County Government, the the YouTube page. Um, but my irritation was with that is the first order of business, the first week they're in session, it's usually an organizational week, okay? And this is what I was told, and I don't know if it was political posturing or, or what it was, but they had a mask mandate that they excluded themselves from. And I had conversation with Democrats and Republicans about this uh, and the optics of it and how I felt it made it look like they honestly didn't necessarily have prioritize, you know, local government, local businesses, you know, one in three businesses right now in Indiana will never come back because of a shutdown, you know, and, and I kind of felt like maybe the priorities were different. I wasn't asking for handouts. I will say this, I was asking for some flexibility within our budget to do some things differently because our budget is so regulated by the state. Uh, but no, I wasn't asking for a handout as in money. And that was one of the phone conversations I had. And I'm like, no, you didn't, you read the article, but you didn't watch what was said and, and you know, what, what I, I talked about on the YouTube channel. But yeah, the priorities are, are what I feel that are, are, are mixed up. And these guys have to understand now that when they're legislating, they have, to legis they have to legislate and think about the idea of if we put something in play without a funding mechanism, how does that affect that county? Because that's sometimes is what will happen. And they have to worry about now our county budgets as well because of a, a state shutdown. I mean, anything that they're doing, they're going to have to think about if it's going to create overhead. Because as of right now, and I know we're not the only county that ran into this, um, as of right now, you know, there, there's shortfalls across the board. Uh, the DLGF is saying that we're going to probably have shortfalls until at least 2023. And that's state numbers. You know what I mean? So it just, uh, you know, coming off a year where we weren't going to have to necessarily borrow anything, we were going to be fiscally neutral as a county uh, to where we are now. You know, it's a, it's a little bit, uh, I don't know, man, it's a little bit, I don't know, it just angers you a little bit, but you know, what do you do? I mean, these, this is why we got elected. So we, I, I have no problem stepping up to the plate, but you know, it, it's just, especially all the hard work that went into it years before I got here. Um, you know, it's frustrating for some of these people that have been around for a while. You know, there was a news story out of the local paper in December 2019, pre-COVID, um, and it had the headline, "County count, quote, county council may not have to borrow in 2020, end quote. Is that still the case? And now it's 2021, of course, but was that still the case? But then talk to us about why it's a good or bad thing for the county to have to or not have to borrow money in the first place. Yeah, man. So when it comes to borrowing money uh, for a county, I think borrowing money at any point is, is especially for, for government, is bad because that means you don't have it. Um, what was going to happen this year with our budget? We weren't going to have to take any type of an early draw. And what that is, to get to that draw, what you take out is a tax anticipation. And that'll you paid leave with her and also has an interest rate to it. So ultimately you're going to be paying more uh, in, the, in the, the long run, whether that's a little bit or not, or not, you know, it's still frustrating because that's more money than 
Uh, well, that's money that could go elsewhere within a county budget. Um, we weren't going to have to do that this year. This was going to be the first year, and I believe at least 10, possibly 15 years, that we were not going to have to do an early draw or, or to do a tax ante a anticipation loan. I'm sorry, a, a tall loan, I guess is what you could call it. Um, which was amazing because, it, you know, they, there for, for a while, I mean, it was a significant amount of money. You know, there's a long history of that within Delaware County. But, uh, you know, I think, it, I think it's bad. I think, you know, to run a county and, and it to be fiscally strong, uh, I think it has to be fiscally neutral as well, uh, where it's not costing the taxpayer money. And if it is, in a sense, if money more money is coming in, you can put that back to different things for the taxpayer. Uh, you know, the commissioners always have different projects and things like that, uh, that uh, they're, they're looking to do. You know, if, if the, the county itself is paying for itself, but also bringing in more, it only goes back to good services, uh, you know, for the taxpayer, you know. Um, that's how I look at it. That's how I, I think it should be. So that are, that, that's my thoughts on that. A tax anticipation loan, you know, it's just tough because uh, we weren't going to have to do that this, this last year. And then, uh, you know, when you shut something down as, as big as, as the state of Indiana, there's right. all shortfalls. Here's the other thing too, Sam, I want to say this, the shortfalls are still to come. We don't even know. I, I, six months from now, I may be in worse shape than I actually thought you know, I was going to be in. So it's a very fluid situation too. So, uh, and then, you know, I don't know what happens too when it comes to this federal, um, this new new COVID package that is, is is being put out there. So I don't know if that does anything for, for, for counties or localities, uh, municipalities, but I, I, I will say this, we are not the only county in this situation. No question yeah. about it. Well, we're definitely not. We're definitely not the only local government that is struggling. Um, across the country, really. And I'm going to jump in here and give you a question I didn't send you ahead of time. Um, you know, what, what is the council? What's, what, what are, what's being talked about um, as we keep going on? You know, COVID is still happening. How are you preparing for an even bigger budget sh shortfall that you might face in the coming two or three years? What um, do you think that you'll continue to have to borrow or can we get ourselves back to a place where we're not having to borrow money? What, what's the, what's the thoughts? You know, I think the only way to, to not be able to borrow for the time being would be to grow the county. You need more tax revenue coming in, more people living here, more people spending money here. Uh, you know, I, I think that is ultimately the goal, grow our communities, make them stronger, better, uh, you know, more viable, uh, especially some of these, these smaller communities. Um, but from, I mean, it's so hard to tell you anything detailed, Sam, from that, because, you know, you hear how wild the shortfalls are going to be, and then they tame it back down uh, a few months later. Uh, and then you go back to it, and, and there's the, the, the shortfalls are wild again. So we won't know until we know. And I can't give you good, accurate numbers until probably six months down the line. I will say this, council's very, very aware of the shortfalls, and they make uh, decisions and they vote upon how they feel when it comes yeah. to those shortfalls. I'm very much uh, about that. And, and uh, you know, I, I feel like, <laughs> you know, especially right now, um, it's, it's tough to add anything to a county budget. Uh, that experienced what we experienced this past year. So, you know, that, that's something to definitely take into account. You know, the, the budget and the conversations we're having right now 
our conversations as to an, anticipating what comes down the line in six to, to eight months, because there's always going to be something that we're going to have to deal with when it comes to this now. Uh, you know, I don't think county council, everybody looks at county council and maybe as a, uh, a, a, I don't know that maybe they don't take it quite as seriously as, as some do, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, and I'll just, I'll say it that way, but uh, it's, it's very interesting right now. Uh, and, and sometimes in a good way and sometimes maybe not in a great way, uh, but we're all learning, growing together and we're doing the best we can uh, and making good decisions upon, I would just say, just fiscally uh, responsible to decisions. So every thought, every vote goes into that. So, you know, I, on my end, I, I will say this from a standpoint. Oh, you were frozen. Can you, can you repeat what you just said? Can you hear me all right? Yeah, but you just froze. That's the first time you have. Can you just repeat what you just said? No, what I will say is, is, you know, from a standpoint of growing government anymore right now, there's just no way of doing it. Adding overhead to a budget that we don't necessarily have, we don't have money for is a challenge. And, and for me, it's not responsible to do that. I can't do that in my own business. I, I can't do that in my own household. Why would I do that to uh, my neighbor uh, down the street here who is the taxpayer? So that's got to be thought of as well. Yeah. Well, that's, that's some super good points and a really interesting thought. And, you know, there's, there's been this political, which we, I end up talking about this almost on all the episodes I've done, but there's, there ends up being this political, you know, if you don't side with me, if you don't want to shut down, you don't care about people, but you know, that, first of all, that's just not helpful. That's, that's just partisan crap. And, but you're talking about, you know, this is, this is things that we're going to face for the next couple of years. And we just, we're just going to have to make the best decisions that we can't. We, when you talk about one in three Indiana businesses aren't going to come back. That's, that, that's one in three families that own small businesses that, you know, that's tough. Well, and think about what comes along with that, Sam. I mean, you've got mental health issues. I mean, you know, it, it, I'm in the funeral business and, and luckily, <laughs> I'm going to say this, this is going to sound odd, but <laughs> we, we were blessed to be very essential now there were a few months there where we were extremely overwhelmed, uh, you know, and, and 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 it's tough sitting down and having these conversations uh, with people, and 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 some of these people, um, you know, were dealing with some major mental health issues because they didn't have the ability to create money for their their family. They didn't have the ability to do anything, uh, and then you know when it came to the funeral we were very much regulated as to how many we could have at a gathering. So that didn't help when it come, came to grieving. So there's a lot of mental health issues that come, come along with this. Uh, and I think we're gonna see that over, over time. I know loneliness has, has been something that's been pretty wild for some people. And we see that a lot within the funeral industry just because of uh, you know certain, uh, well, the act of suicide, we've seen that a lot here lately, and that's tough to bear, especially with, uh, uh, you know, social distancing as we are, so. Yeah. Well, I want to finish here. Something I tried to ask is, um, what is the best moment in politics that you've ever been a part of? But there is a constraint. You can't, I mean, you can't have like watched this moment or been a part of this thing on TV or anything. You had to have been there. Oh, I got two moments. I got them written down, buddy. I took some notes. Awesome. I got, I got two moments for you. And it looks like, let me check my time here. Looks like I, I got about 10 minutes here. So yeah, you're doing good. 
we can get you here. So um, I'm an EMS professional. I have fought for EMS for many, many years, man. I felt when I was an EMT and paramedic down in Indianapolis, the EMS was underrepresented, not only within the union they were involved in, but uh, also from a state aspect of things. Um, you know, EMS has always been thought of maybe as a third service, kind of gets left out of the first responder realm at some, uh, some well, sometimes it does. Uh, you know, you hear about police and fire, but uh, you know, who's on the ambulance, who's, uh, who's navigating the ambulance, who's the person that restarted their heart, who's, you know what I mean? So yeah. Um, anyway, so I, uh, my, myself and, um, well, my, myself and another cohort, uh, I will give, uh, give credit to him as uh, Shane Hardwick. Uh, worked, uh, he needs to give be given credit. I didn't ask him if I could name drop. So that, I <laughs> hope, I, hope I didn't get him in trouble there. But anyway, uh, we worked with a Democrat, uh, Carly Maser, Representative Carly Maser out there of uh, the Wayne Township, west side of Indi Indianapolis Speedway to get a death benefits bill put together for someone that dies in the line of duty. There were two individuals down in uh, Indianapolis that were killed in a uh, ambulance accident uh, the night Shane and I were both working. Uh, in Indianapolis, and uh, there was there was nothing that there was nothing for the families. There was nothing for for anybody that that, that came out of that uh, by any means that was good. But there was no type of benefit to help with expenses or funerals or really just anything. If they were the only, the sole provider for their family, there was no cash benefit or anything that could help that family. So we were able to work along Carly Macer um, to get this put together and get this put into law, of which it is through PERF. Um, the uh, Public Employees Retirement Fund, managed through them, which is a state agency, uh, but you can put into it, and it's an actual death benefit. Now, I believe Delaware County EMS puts into it for their employees, and I can't remember if it's a $50,000. We were able to get that together. You know, there's always been, I feel like, I feel like EMS has always been that redheaded stepchild when it comes to public safety. They've not been represented well at all, uh, especially by the, the unions they've been involved in. Uh, the, the, the unions they've usually been involved in are, are fire department unions. And, and you know, those yeah. are two different, two different career sets, uh, very different as to what your prime role is. Uh, so you, you, it's hard to lump them into to both. But anyway, so there was another moment. I was a paramedic, and this is when I first got into, uh, I wouldn't say got into politics, but started to pay attention uh, when my job was on the line. Uh, the union I was in was the uh, 416, and it was a uh, fire, fire department union through uh, Wayne Township Fire Department. Um, and the county itself was uh, trying to consolidate fire departments, but the uh, uh, ambulances that were ran by uh, uh, Indianapolis EMS at the time, it used to be Wishard. Uh, I, was, I was a part of Wishard at one point, uh, but uh, went into, transferred over into Indianapolis EMS. But anyway, the union uh, was willing to no negotiate on our behalf with handshakes and smiles. There was no paperwork that was uh, uh, brought up, no contract signed, nothing that, you know, that maybe I as a, as a due-paying due member was entitled to. Uh, yeah. You know, I, uh, I didn't get to negotiate or collectively bargain anything, and they were willing just to let us go as employees just so the fire consolidation could, could happen. I had a problem with that. I was very irritated about it. So we went against our, our, our uh, due-paying union down at the state house and uh, defeated a, a consolidation bill that would have probably taken my job and I probably would have gotten laid off uh, had that had this not happened. Uh, but you know, I, it, it was it's what was irritating to me is, is a majority of these 911 calls are 
EMS, our emergency medical services, our, our 911. But all, all they talk about down there is the fire service, the fire department. Um, you know, and, and when it's really maybe only 20%, 25% of the, the call volume, you know, and I, I feel like EMS gets a bad rap from that, man. So this was an opportunity for me to go down there in front of a committee, in front of my peers that I worked with and disagree with them publicly. Now I got some hate for it. I got some, some nasty grands, you know, and that's fine. I don't care about that. I, I get those a lot anyway, yeah, through the podcast and other, other places. <laughs> So that does not bother me, but it was the right thing to do. You know, I had people within my, uh, well, with, with, you know, the, the civilian EMS portion of, uh, of uh, the fire department I was on um, that were, were upset, felt that they didn't have a voice, but didn't necessarily want to be the voice either. Uh, because there's always repercussions, uh, Sam, for being that, that loud squeaky wheel at times. And, uh, you know, I, I bared some of that, but at the same, same time, it's gotten me, I think, to where I am now, uh, you know, with, within the council setting and, and, you know, not being afraid to at least being up front and be, be honest, but uh, yeah, EMS, man, uh, you know, and we're still, we're continuously doing, trying to do things down there at the state house to bring a little bit more awareness as to what EMS is. But, you know, you got to remember the fire department's got 200 years of, of tradition and service you know, from way back when EMS has only been, you know, really around since maybe the sixties, Vietnam, seventies era. Uh, you know, that's when, when, you know, paramedics started to get, you know, kind of deep was, you know, the infield operations of, of Vietnam. So yeah, man, I mean, those are two bills, the death benefits bill, uh, you know, working bipartisanly, which I hope people understand too, with a Democrat, uh, you know, Carly Maser, Representative Carly Maser, she was great. And, and she, you know, it can be done in, in the, the world of vitriol and hate when it comes to politics. It can be done where you work with people. I did it. On, I do it on the council uh, very, very much so, uh, especially last year, uh, you know, did it fine there. It, it wasn't a problem this year. It's the same deal. I, I, you don't have to hate people. Uh, you can disagree. I disagree with a lot of people. It doesn't mean I hate you. It just means that we're not on the same page and that's fine. Uh, but I'm going to respect your opinion. And, and I think mine can be respected also, you know? Well, that is awesome. Thanks so much for coming on today, Ryan. Any last thoughts you'd like to tell us? No, well, yeah, man. I mean, you know, this is a young voters podcast. And you know, hey, guys, just understand it's okay to question the, the status quo on things. It's okay to ask stupid questions because these questions can lead you into other things. There's a lot of times I ask questions that maybe have nothing to do with anything, but they stem another dialogue or another conversation. That we have. Um, I mean, I'm proud of you, man, for doing a podcast like this. What I will throw out is anybody that's interested within the funeral industry or just two funeral directors talking, check out uh, Undertaking the Podcast. You can find it out on uh, all podcast platforms. We've got about um, 230 episodes. We've been going for about two and a half, three years now. So lots of good stuff there. So, hey, I, uh, I appreciate the opportunity, Sam. Well, thanks for coming on. We, you are always welcome back. Ryan is such a cool dude, and he has such a cool perspective on, you know, a lot of things that we just don't think about. The, the decision, of course, you know, the decision to shut down, it's a tough decision, you know, you're trying to save lives. But in reality, we, we have to think about the kind of money that it takes 
the overhead it's going to take, the deficit it, it, it brings on. So a super interesting thought. Thank you so much for Ryan for coming on. This has been the third episode of the Youth Voters Podcast, and we I cannot wait to see you next time.